that God has given the Christian. And I've quoted this verse and read it. I'm going to read it again this morning. In 2 Corinthians 10 and verses 3 through 6, the Bible says, For we wrestle, wrestle not against, I'm sorry, for, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Listen to this last verse. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. How do you revenge against disobedience? By your obedience. You see that? When we obey, we end up revenging. We end up having vengeance against disobedience. And this that's just proves and shows us that our, our spiritual war, our warfare in this world is not carnal, but it is spiritual. It is a spiritual battle. And always remember, as we're looking this at our spiritual battle, always remember, remember this, that our battle is not with one another. Our battle is not with each other in this church. Our battle is not with believers in Christ. Our battle is not even with the lost world. They need the gospel of Christ as we did. But our fight is a spiritual battle against Satan. He hates you. He hates you with a vengeance because you're a child of God. We looked at that a few weeks ago. And if you are a born-again child of God, you are in the targets of Satan and you will be attacked. Listen, if you're a child of God and you're not being attacked, you're out of the will of God. You, there is something in your life that you have, you have come to a place of, of, of being backslidden and you're not a target. And, and friend, that's a, that's a bad place to be as a child of God. And so, as we've been looking in these last three weeks, God has given us armor to withstand spirit to withstand spiritual attacks so that we can live victoriously for Christ. I don't know if you've gone through periods of your life. I have gone through periods of my life where I've just not been victorious in my Christian life. And listen, it is one of the most miserable places to be in your life. It is one of the most just it's like not, you, you, can, you can try all that you want to, to bring the joy back, to bring the satisfaction back, to bring everything back. And listen, it never works until you get right with God and, and, and get the sin out of your life and start living victoriously again. And listen, we all face the attacks of Satan. We are all, listen, it all comes to all of us. But listen, there's, there, there's nothing worse than to be in this place of, of being away from God. Now, Looking at the armor, God has given us what we call the belt of truth. The Bible says right here in Ephesians chapter 6 to gird up your loins with truth. This is part of the armor. It's that belt we talked about. The belt that holds up the truth. The belt that holds everything together. The belt actually in the soldier that would even hold his armament. It would hold his sword and things like that. But we've also looked at the breastplate of righteousness. And so if you notice, all of the armor requires us to do something actual. Although the armor, which what Paul does tell us to put it on, it's a command, it's something that we have to do. But although all of the armor is in the spiritual realm, it is actually activated actually by what we do. Does that make sense? 
We have to know we have to do something. We have to do something. And so how do we put on our belt of truth? Actually, well, we get in the Bible and we read. We, we take truth into our mind and we begin there with, with, being found, with our foundation being in the truth of the Word of God. Every morning that you get up and you open the Word of God and you sit down and you begin to read the Bible, listen, you are putting on that belt of truth. You're, you're, you are putting your belt on. You're putting your suspenders on. You're putting on that thing that holds everything up. That's something, watch, see that? It's what you do. That's what you do. David said in the 119th Psalm, in verse 11, we know this Psalm, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I what might not sin against thee. Right? It's the word of God. So how do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? How, how do we do that? Well, we, in all actuality, we obey what we just read. Okay, so you put on truth, and then you do truth. You put it on, and then you obey it. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Listen to the end of this. Deceiving your own selves. Do you know when you hear the word of God, and you know the word of God, but you, you decide not to act upon the word of God, you begin to build layer upon layer upon layer of deception. You begin to deceive your own self. Thinking you're okay. Thinking everything's right. Thinking I'm living right. But you know in the depths of your soul something is wrong. If you listen, if once you put, once you t- start taking in the truth of the Word of God, you start, you must be, a, you must, how do I say this? I'm messing up. You have to begin doing the Word of God. That was hard, wasn't it? No, not really. Yeah. So the armament is spiritual, but it's put on actually. It's acted out on a day to day Basis. So notice in our text, verse 15. And he says this, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So today we're going to look at the next piece of the armor of God that is absolutely necessary for victory. And as you'll come to realize as we go through Ephesians chapter 6, this armament builds upon each other. There's no use to do the Word of God if you don't know the Word of God. You see, you have to know it first before you can do it. And you have to know the Word of God and do the Word of God before you can put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And until you, and we'll look at the rest of that. And then, then until you do that, do you put on the helmet of salvation? And then until you do that, you take the shield of faith. And then the sword of the Spirit. There's an order, a biblical order of the armament that goes on. So today we're looking at the shoes. The battle shoes that God gives us in our fight against Satan, in our battle against Satan. You know, when something gets into the foot, it has to be dealt with. You ever step on something? Run around barefoot, right? I have all sorts of barefoot jokes I'm not telling right now. Make all the ladies mad. But, (laughs) oh, I did it. I didn't mean to even go that far. My grandmother, she would sit in her wheelchair in the kitchen, barefoot, and uh, she stepped on a tack. I don't know how it got on the floor, but she put her foot down to wheel herself around. And, and you know, she was about, oh, in her late 80s, and, and she, her poor blood was about as thick as water. And man, it looked like somebody got murdered in the kitchen. I mean, just blood all over the place. And, oh, stepped on a tack, you know, and it was like, oh, ouch. 
you know, it kind of keeps you from going. My granny almost bled out in the kitchen from a tack, you know, it's not good. You ever get a little pebble in your boot or in your shoe? And you thought, ah, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. And you're, finally, you got to sit down and jerk that thing off and knock everything. I hate stuff like that. I can't stand when my sock gets turned around and that, that, that sewn piece on the top gets, oh. I have to take the shoes off and turn my socks around and get them right. Drives me nuts. You know, with something in your foot, with something up in your foot, it's going to slow you down, won't it? At the, at the very worst, it's going to stop forward mo, uh, movement, forward momentum totally. You're just going to, you're going to have to stop and deal with it. If you, uh, with something in your foot, you end up many times taking your mind, your attention off the task at hand and you turn your attention to your little foot. I had uh, what was called, I didn't know what it was at the time. It went on for a while. I just kind of limped around on it. It was an ingrown toenail. I never had that. I didn't know what that was. I thought, man, my foot hurts. That toe hurts. And then I started, thought I'd work on this dude on my own. I figured out what it was, and I'm trying to cut on it and pull that thing out. It didn't want to, and I'm cutting and cutting, and and it was, it was, uh, it hurt a little bit, a little less than it did. And I'd put my boot on for work, and man, I'd hop around all day, and that thing hurt and hurt. I, I thought it was going to be expensive. I finally went to the doctor. They deadened that thing, and it was like, I, I told somebody, it was poking out of the bottom of my toe. It really wasn't. But it, that dude was deep, and I was, listen, when it got out, it was like, oh, that feels better. I couldn't believe it. And it was only 120 bucks. And I'm like, that's it? I would have done this months ago. I thought it was going to be, you know, this real expensive thing to go into the doctor. And I thought, man, cut all my toenails off for 120 bucks. I'll never be back again. Probably. Yeah, you're right. Per toe. Man, that's what, 1200 bucks? I don't know. <sighs> you know, none of these things in your foot is what a soldier wants to deal with when they're in the midst of battle. No, when they're, when they're in the middle of a battle, if they have to stop and deal with their foot, it could literally, literally get them killed. Do you see a guy running through the battlefield, or those old shows of Nam, and here they are going through the jungles, and one guy stops to tie his shoes? No. You're in trouble, buddy, if the, if the bullets are flying and you're stopping to deal with your feet. And so in our text today, Paul is going to draw a parallel from the Roman soldiers and from the shoes that they wore going into battle. Now, their shoes were sandals, okay? But they were special sandals, and they had a purpose. And this was one thing that the Roman military ended up perfecting, as we know probably from the beginning, um, the, the technology for shoes obviously is not what it is today. They did not have steel-toed boots. They didn't have Kevlar soles. They didn't have special things that were in them to, to protect them that we like in our shoes today. They were all leather. But they, they, they would have had a... Uh, I, I came up with probably at least three things that these sandals would have helped the Roman soldier do that some of the other armies that they went against might not have had or not to the level that the Roman army had. And three things I noticed here was really the stability, the protection, and the enhanced movement that they were able able to have because of their their sandals. These sandals had a thick leather sole on them, and the leather straps that wrapped up the calf kept the ankles supported. They would wrap up high. Actually, the higher the wrapping indicated the rank of the soldier that had them on. Isn't that interesting? 
So these cowboys that wear the boots up to their knees, you know, they're something. They are somebody. They have a big horse. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else they would do? They would take these little brass hobnails and they would drive them into the soles of that leather sole to give them added traction. Little brass knobs they would nail into their sole. Now, when we were kids, we'd... Uh, we would take our bicycle tires, take the tubes out of them for the wintertime. My brother came up with this wonderful idea of running screws through his tires, little screws through his bicycle tires, putting the tubes back in, air them up in the wintertime. We had traction on the ice. Pretty good idea, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, how many of those on the farm had those, those little metal things that went over your work boots? The, the spikes, remember those? And you could walk across on the icy ground. Uh, in the winter time, when you had to go break up the stupid pond because it froze over and it was freezing out because the dumb cows needed water, right? Remember that? And you'd put these little spikes on your shoes. Well, this is what the Roman soldiers did. They 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 uh, enhanced <laughs> the ability of the footwear there that they were wearing for battle, for battle. Thick leather soles. They strapped all the way up over the ankle into the calf. They put knobs and brass tack things on the bottom of their soles. But secondly, with the protection, it protected the bottom of their feet. We know that. It's kind of a given from the rough surfaces and such. But they also had a thick leather tongue that that protected the dorsum of the foot, this bone right here. It protected that bone of the foot as well as the anterior shin coming up on the shin bone. You know, that hurts getting hit in the shin right there, doesn't it? Those guys that do uh, Muay Thai uh, kickboxing and all that stuff, they will condition their shins by banging it up against hard things over and over and over and over and over again. And that, that shin bone actually gets so hard, they can break stuff with it. Right. Well, the Romans had a big leather tongue that ran up along the front of that foot and protected their foot. So it was for stability. These shoes were for protection. And the, these shoes were for enhanced movement. They could walk farther. They could run faster. And they were more agile. You ever go around in the summertime and all of a sudden the chase is on and uh, somebody's chasing you and you take off running and you get to the woods and you're like, ah, 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 ah. You, what happened? you slow down because all of a sudden you're ro- running over all this sharp stuff until the end of the summer. It was no problem because your feet were like, you know, rocks on the bottom by then. And it was, but the early summer, May, man, they were, they were, they were, they were soft, right? Enhanced movement. The ability to go farther. Listen, this enabled the, the, the Roman army to walk farther into battle than they ever had before. They could go a long way because of these shoes. So the sandals were what we might call today military-grade boots. But did you know God has shoes for battle as well? God has shoes for battle as well. Paul is stating here in Ephesians chapter 6 that the child of God has a certain shoe that is a part of his armor given to him by God. And like the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, these shoes must be put on every day. You go out, you go out every day without some of your armor. Listen, you are a target. You're going to get hit. And I said it last week. Satan can, listen, that dude can get a dart in the smallest place than you'd ever imagine. He has better aim than anybody that you could ever imagine. And he will go after the feet. He'll go after... You ever have somebody stomp on your foot with their heel? 
get wrestling with some guys when you're a kid and turn around and stomp that foot. Man, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. He can hit it. Look at verse 15. And having your feet shod. Now this word shod is just another form of the word shoed, but we don't say having your feet shoed. We say having your feet shod. You shod a horse and you shod people. You put, we put shoes on them. And these shoes really do the same thing as the Roman shoe would do. That's why Paul is drawing this illustration. We can see stability in these shoes. We can see protection in these shoes. We can see the enhanced ability to, to move. It kind of goes hand in hand with when the, the first part of the armor of girding up your loins with truth. When they would tie up all of that extra stuff, tie it out of the way so they could move and be agile in the battle. There's, I, I don't know if any of you guys tried to fight somebody with a dress on. It's kind of tough. Now, I think a hockey guy could do it because they can fight in skates. But I don't know. Skates and a, and a big, you know, your morning robe on, not a good thing to get in a fight with. And uh, so what they would do is they'd tie these up and get them out of the way. But, and it would en- enhance their ability to move. But so did the shoes. You get these shoes on and, and, and you, you're more agile. You were more able to move. They, 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 they were also made for this, uh, for a specific purpose. Just like the Roman shoe. These, these shoes that God has given us were made for a specific purpose. You know, I don't know many guys that, that are a Marine. Where's, where's, uh, where's, where's Russell Klein? He's AWOL. Oh boy. No, he's, Russell Klein is never AWOL. He's a Marine drill sergeant. Could anybody see Brother Klein going out to battle with flip-flops on? I doubt, I doubt the man wears them today. But <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't mean anything by that. But could you see him? Going, could you see anybody in the military going out to battle with their sandals on? No, you could. But you're not going to get very far, are you? Are you not? Are, are you? Are you? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a whole battalion that wears sandals that I don't know about, you know. But I don't think there are. Men don't go into battle with flip-flops on, and they're made for a purpose. And the shoes are made from specific material. A material that will last and a material that will protect. And the shoes that God gives us for the battle, can I tell you this? They will never, ever, 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 ever wear out. You know that? Why? Because, they're, because God made them. We can look at the Israelites with their physical shoes that they had. And the Bible says for 40 years, the shoes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. God took care of the wearer and He took care of the shoe itself. They weren't going to wear out. God knows how to make shoes. And the shoes that God gives us will never keep us. They will never, ever, ever, ever keep us from standing firm and from always moving forward. That's the purpose of the shoes in the, in, within the army. You've got to stand your ground. You're not going to give up any ground. And on top of that, you're going to have the ability to move forward and take ground. God's shoes will always keep us, will always enable us to stand firm and to move forward. And you know also with God's shoes, we'll never have to stop and deal with something in our feet. They always work. They always protect. They always give us stability. They always enhance movement. Listen, the, the armor that God gives you and that God gives me always, always, always works. There's no problem with the armor. 
You know where the problem lies? Oh yeah, you know. When it doesn't get put on. There's no problem with the armor. So what are the shoes that God gives us? What is, what, is, what, is, what is the thing that we are to shod our feet with? Well, if you would look in your closet, you might notice the different types of shoes that you have. There may be work boots. Yeah. Should be. <laughs> dress boots. Dress shoes. Sandals. Right? Slippers. What? Waiters. There you go. Crocs. Waiters. Yeah, there you go. Rubber boots. I had to wear them this week. Man, it was muddy. Ugh. Yeah, all sorts of... Now, now, some of you ladies, I am not even going to uh, dive into the categories that uh, we can't even understand of shoes you have. I'll let you deal with that in your own mind because I have no idea what all goes on in the shoe closet. But we can, you know, we categorize our shoes by their purpose, and, they're, and they each have a name, don't they? They each have a name. Well, here in verse 15, we have the name of the shoes that God provides, and this is what He calls these shoes, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, that's a long word for a pair of shoes, isn't it? Oh, those are my preparation of the gospel of peace shoes. That's kind of that's a lot of that's a lot to get out, and most people would go, huh, right? Well, notice this first in the title of these shoes, the category of shoes. Notice this first the word preparation. We're talking about the shoes that God has given us, and look what He's given us here. Preparation. It's not a real hard word. It just means readiness. Readiness. You know, Brother Neil, if, you're, if your job is to fight fires and you show up at a fully engulfed house without any shoes on, could you imagine that happening? You know what that means? You're not ready for the fire. That's what that means. Now, if you've ever had any experience with rural fire divisions, a lot of ter- times I think rural isn't always ready for the fire. <laughs> with the, In the... The thriving metropolis we used to live, named Marionville, home of the white squirrels. Uh, <laughs> their rural fire district gave us an ISO rating of about 10. I think ISO would have liked to have given us 12, but 10 was as low as they could go. Uh, one is the best, okay? It was pretty bad. And uh, one of the city firemen said, yeah, we showed up on this house fire, and there was rural. They'd beat us to it somehow. And there was a guy on the roof with his axe uh, 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 trying to trying to break a hole into the roof, and he was barefoot. He had jumped out of bed and ran to the fire. Yeah, and this is why they have ISO ratings of ten. Right. Preparation. No, he wasn't prepared. He wasn't prepared for the fire. You're not ready. If a soldier is woken up by a bunch of bomb blasts and he's laying in the foxhole and he, for some reason he took his boots off and he jumped up and he ran out of that foxhole and began to fight without his boots. Listen, he's not ready to fight. He may go so far, but eventually he's going to have to deal with the fact that he doesn't have shoes on and he's going to be limited. He might fight for a while, but he's going to be totally limited in what he can do. So the shoes that God gives us, watch this, they are preparation. 
They are preparation. The very fact that we have them on means that we are prepared. We are prepared mentally. We are prepared spiritually. We are prepared physically. We are ready and prepared for what God has us to do. But what are we prepared for? We know that we're prepared in our battle against Satan, but notice what it says here. It's the preparation of what? It's the preparation of the gospel. The gospel. You know what the gospel is? We know it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's where we get the, from the Greek word, where we get the word evangelize. Evangelize. I'm not even going to pronounce it in Greek. I don't know Greek. I know a Greek. Where's the Greek? He's back there somewhere. But I don't know how to, there he is, there's the hand. I don't know how to speak Greek. I know a couple words, like baklava, that's pretty good. But the word gospel, the word gospel in the Greek is a compound word. It's the word yongalitso. And the word yu, you, in, the, in that word yongalitso, means good. The second part of that word, angelos, you know what that is, means angel, messenger, one who is sent. So in those days before texting, before Google, before cell phones, before telephones, before homing pigeons, before whatever else they had for communication, they would send a runner to relay information. We've seen it all through the Old Testament. And they would have been called an angelos in the Greek. They were a messenger. They were employed to send messages, and many times they would come from the battlefield with the messages of the way that the war, that the battle is going. But unlike just being a messenger, this word is much more specific to us in this verse. The word gospel doesn't just mean news, but it means good news. This is good news. You know, let, let me make a side note right here. Do you know there is no better news that we could ever have on this planet than the good news of the gospel? You know, if we look at our world around us today, and I'm telling you, we know this. We 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 know we know this is the last days. We know uh, we we know that we're in perilous times. We know that there's some awful stuff going on. But listen, if we look around our our our, our world and our country and our cities and where we live, we really need good news. And the world is clamoring for news. They're clamoring for an answer. They want to know what to do. They don't have the answer, even though they think they have the answer. But they don't have the answer. But we do have the answer. And the answer has always been the same. It is Jesus Christ. That is the gospel, and that is good news. Yep. That's, that's what we have, the gospel. It's not just good news. It's even better than good news. It's the good news of what? Look at this. The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. These are our shoes. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. Let me read this to you. The Bible says, For He is our peace. (laughs) Who hath made both both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having uh, abolished in His flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we have both access by one Spirit unto the Father. 
You know what good news is? It's good news that the atoning blood of Jesus Christ has made us at peace with God the Father. Do you know if you're here this morning and you've never been born again, you've never been saved, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, humbling your heart, looking unto Him for salvation, you are not at peace with God. You are at odds with God this morning. And if you leave this planet at odds with God, you will be eternally at odds with God in a place called hell. You must, Jesus, you must be born again. You must be born again. But those of us who have come by the blood of Jesus Christ into faith and trust in Him, listen, we, we have been made at peace with God. Do you remember that day you came to peace with God? Do you remember all that just rolled away? Do you remember, remember the sins? Just everything that was piled up on you was just gone in a moment, in an instant. And it was like, oh, peace. This is what God does. This is what the blood of Christ does. This is what the gospel does. It's the gospel of peace. So, the shoes that God gives us as armor, I think we could call them this. Let's just simplify it. And we could call them our gospel shoes. We have gospel shoes. Hey, why not? I said it, the Mormon have holy underwear, we have gospel shoes. Ours is way more biblical. Theirs isn't, right? (laughs) Uh, I I just can't get over that. That's just awesome. No, it's not. It's weird. So what do gospel shoes accomplish? What do they accomplish? Well, like the Roman military sandal, gospel shoes allow us to do several things. I'm going to list you a couple things here. Maybe three. I'll list you three things. They give us the ability to stand. Gospel shoes give us the ability to advance, and gospel shoes give us the ability for protection. They give us the ability to stand. In our spiritual battle, listen, we need to be able to dig our heels in and stand our ground. You know, we are pushed off everything. We get constantly pushed off of what God has given us. God has given us victory through the blood of Jesus Christ. God has given us the forgiveness of sin. And listen, God has given us uh, the, 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 the relational aspects that come uh, by Jesus Christ with Him in peace and joy and love and all of these things. And listen, Satan is constantly attempting to push us off the ground that we have and rob us of our joy. That's what he wants. And you know what these shoes of the gospel allow us to do? They allow us to stand our ground and not move. Ephesians four twenty six and 7. He, uh, Paul was, was talking here. He says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Listen to what he sums this up with. Neither give place to the devil. We don't, listen, here's the point of it. We don't want to give Satan any ground whatsoever. And you know what? If you don't have the right shoes on, he's going to get ground. Every time he's going to get ground. But secondly, the ability to advance. It's not just retaining ground. No, no army wants to just maintain ground. They want to gain ground and, and, and move forward. I don't want to get too political here, but I know uh, the America haters like to say how we've just stolen our land and we've stolen this and we've stolen this. Could you please show me a country on the planet that has not taken their land by force and war? Every one of them. Every one of them. 
And we've tried to right our wrongs. <laughs> They're still trying to take land. Russia going into Ukraine. Iraq going into Kuwait. I mean, come on. No, armies want to advance. The goal of an army is to advance and to take more land. And if we are, listen, if we are not moving forward in battle, we are being pushed backward. You, know, you're, you are either going to go forward or you're going to go backward. You can only stand so long if you're not getting... Listen, there is momentum in moving forward and inertia and energy as you move forward. The moment you stop and that inertia stops, the, more, the likelihood is that you go backward, not forward. And then it takes twice as much to gain that momentum again to get going. Yeah. If you're not, listen, if you're not experiencing new victories over sin, you're being pushed backward. If you, listen, if you're not learning new truth in the Word of God, you're being pushed backward. If you don't read the Word of God and new things are coming to, coming to life to you as you open the book in the morning, listen, you're being pushed backward. No, this is an indicator that something's wrong. It is, listen, it is the gospel shoes of God that give us the ability to stand, they give us the ability to advance, and they protect our feet so we can stand and so we can advance. Protection. We need protection from temptation. We need protection from false doctrine that cause us to walk away from the truth of the Word of God, to walk backward from truth and to get away from it. So how do they work? We know what they do now. How do they work? How do they actually accomplish what they're intended to accomplish? Well, remember, every aspect of the armor is spiritual. You remember, how many remember that? It's all spiritual, right? Anybody? Yeah, good. Three people remember that. Awesome. We're making progress. We're advancing... Last week, one remembered. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it's spiritual, but it has a physical outworking. It's something we see and act- actively do in our life every day. The armor is on when we're doing, watch this, when the armor is on when we are doing what we're supposed to do. See, this isn't a works religion. We're not working our way to God. We are working in a battle to gain ground, to stand our ground, to gain ground, and to advance in our relationship with Christ. So the belt of truth is on when we're reading the Word of God. The breastplate of righteousness is on when we're obeying the truth of the Word of God. So what are we to be doing if we're going to put on our gospel shoes? What's the do with the shoes? Well, notice this. Truth is around your waist. The breastplate is on your upper torso. And the gospel shoes, I know it's obvious. It is very self-evident. If you got road walking since you've already seen this one. You see it coming. They're on your feet, right? Very seldom, unless you're, you know, six months old, do you put shoes on your hands. They go on your feet, right? They go on your feet. So the gospel comes, watch this, with the command to go. Go. It's active, isn't it? It's forward movement. It's obedience. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said this, and you know it, and He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every 
creature, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that begins with the command by our captain to go. We are to go. And the only, listen, the only way the gospel shoes work as the armor of God is when they are put on, that's called preparation, and when the one who has them put on is actively engaged in preaching the gospel. Isaiah 58 and verse 1, the, Isaiah said, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. At another place, the, the Bible says that to the preacher that he's to cry aloud and spare not. He says, slap the thigh. I mean, listen, there is all sorts of things going on with the preaching of the Word of God. Uh, listen, the, the, the preaching of the Word of God should always... Uh, how do I say this? Should always bring with it the sense of urgency, seriousness, and truth. Listen, if we just sit around and devotionalize something, you know what? The, I'm sorry. The, Calvinism has destroyed the urgency of the gospel. Paul said, I, I, I heard one joker said, Oh, we don't, I don't persuade anyone to the gospel. I just give them the gospel and let them. Well, Paul said, I persuade men. Sometimes I wonder how far they read. How long did Paul sit with people and persuade to the point that one trembled at the gospel, said, come again at a more convenient time. Almost, Paul, almost thou hast persuaded me to become a Christian. Yeah. Go ye into all the world and put, preach the gospel, cry aloud and spare not the Bible says the preaching of the Word of God is truth and it's seriousness. And I believe it needs to be done with the sense of urgency because there is a lost and dying world literally going to hell. And we have the answer. Do you know Isaiah preached? The Bible says Jonah preached. John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness and he eventually preached the gospel when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Yep. John preached. Jesus commanded us to preach the gospel. Paul commanded Timothy to preach the word. Paul preached. Timothy preached. Stephen preached. Peter preached. Apollos preached. I'm telling you, saints, I could go on and on and on and on. But God's chosen method for the propagation of the gospel and for salvation is preaching of the word of God. And the message that is preached is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. That's what's preached. Jesus saves. No, that's the message. Let me bring it all together. Because I feel like it's buckshot out there. I need to start digging them all out and put them together here. If you are going to be victorious in your Christian life, you must put on the armor of God. We got that down. We know that. Once you have on the belt of truth, you put on the breastplate of righteousness. And once you have on the breastplate of righteousness, you've got to put on the gospel shoes. And you put on the gospel shoes by preaching the gospel. And when you are preaching the gospel, watch what happens to you immediately. You're able to stand, you're able to advance, and you're able to have movement 
and to be agile. The shoes of the gospel, the spiritual aspect of them, the shoes, we saw that. The actively doing so that they are actually engaged in working is the day-to-day proclamation and preaching of the gospel in the life of every believer. That's, that's what the shoes are. Preach the word. Preach the word, saints. Preach the word, children. Preach the word, ladies. Preach the word, men. Just go out and preach the word of God. I'm not talking about pastors. Everybody preaches. The world is preaching at us on a daily basis. You know what? I say we can preach right back at them because they're preaching lies and we have the truth of the Word of God. You've got to put on these gospel shoes and you've got to preach. So when temptation comes in your life, you're not going to retreat if you're preaching the gospel. When false doctrine comes and you're preaching the gospel, you're not going to run away. When the battle seems to keep getting uh, worse and worse and, the, and it seems to be coming more and more and advancing on you harder and harder, you'll be able to get traction and keep going forward. Why? When you are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of this comes to the believer who is actively engaged, actively engaged in spreading the gospel. Do you know the command when Jesus said, Go ye... Into all the word world, that word ye is translated. That is a translated word. Pronouns beginning with Y are plural. Pronouns beginning with TH are singular. The word ye was chosen on purpose, and it's a plural. Jesus was speaking to this church there, and he's saying, All of you, preach the gospel. Go preach the gospel, Peter. Preach the gospel, John. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. All of them that were under the sound of the voice of Jesus Christ was given the command to preach the gospel. And this morning, all of us who are under the sound of the Word of God this morning have the command to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel at work. You preach the gospel at vacation. You preach the gospel when you're doing at Walmart, whatever you do at Walmart. When you go to the parts store, when you go to the grocery store, preach the gospel. Preach the Word of God at everywhere. And you know what you're doing? You are actively putting on your gospel shoes when you're preaching the Word of God. That's the active part. You're engaged in spreading the gospel. So let me give you a little application. Do you have on gospel shoes today? They might be easy to get on on Sunday. That might be one of the easiest times to put them on. Are you actively engaged soul winning? Are you actively engaged in preaching the gospel where you work, where you live? In the neighborhood you reside? No, this hits all of us, folks. Hits me, hits you, hits everyone in here. Are you actively engaged in preaching the gospel? Listen, if you are not, you're going to be a casualty. You don't think Satan's going to aim for your feet where they go and and cause you to go somewhere else? They went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would not have gone out from us. Do you know there are those that leave the battle, they weren't actively preaching the gospel. They were a target. 
Let me give you an illustration for this. I was at a car wash one time several, several years ago. I was just really battling with some stuff in my mind. Just thoughts. You've been there. Satan, just, just wicked thoughts. And I'm praying, I'm washing my car, praying about it. And the Holy Spirit, there's a group of young people over in the next bay just sitting there talking. Small town, you, you know, you hang out at the car wash, I guess. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> and, so, and I was just battling with some stuff. You know, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, go give them a tract. A group of kids over there. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. That was just kind of odd to me. And it was like God said, do you want victory over, over that or do you not? Do you want victory over your mind or not? Okay. I went over, began to talk to them, gave them a tract, asked where they went to church, had a nice conversation with them, gave them the gospel, got in my car, drove off. Let me tell you something, saints. It felt like God was sitting in my lap. He was so close. You know know what I did that day? I put on the, the shoes of the gospel of peace, and I actively set out, as God commanded me to, to share the gospel. And you know what happened? Took care of the battle in the mind. Got all, totally off the mind. It's such self anyway, isn't it? We're so self-absorbed with our wicked imaginations. And to put our, my mind and my heart and my thoughts on somebody else that needed the gospel. And it gave victory. The gospel gives victory. <laughs> it's a part of the armor of God. The gospel shoes. So how do I do this? Put on truth. Obey the truth. And then ask God to put people in your path that need the gospel. Arm yourself with tracks every day. We've got them out there. We've got new ones I've got to get done. Go out every day expecting someone to be put in your path. Ask God to be to have somebody placed in your path with the gospel. You know what you'll start noticing when you actively pursue people with the gospel? You know what you're going to start noticing in your life? Victory. Victory in your life. You're going to start gaining ground again. You're going to start standing ground and then gaining ground. Listen, the world around us is dying and going to hell, and we have the good news. If you are losing battles in your life today, you're losing partly because you're not actively engaged. We, I should say, are not actively engaged in preaching the gospel. Listen, we've got plenty of people to listen. Whether they want to listen or not, they need it. And if we're going to get victory in our life, we're going to have victory at Calvary Baptist Church. If God is going to get the victory, we've got to have on His shoes. Do you have them on today? Did you lace them up this morning? Have you gone out expecting I hope so. Father, thank you for the word this morning. Thank you for the reminder of the necessity of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the reminder of the good news. I remember when the gospel became good news in my life. When when when, when you changed me, when you saved me and changed me. Oh, I remember that day. And I know most many people in here that have been there, remember the day in their life as well. What good news that was to hear that a wretched, 
hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner could find grace in the eyes of God, could find salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, and could have every sin, past, present, and future, removed and placed upon Jesus Christ and never be answerable for again. What good news that was. Father, you've commanded us to take this good news into the world and to preach the gospel. I pray that you would renew our desire and the urgency within us to preach the Word of God wherever we go. Would you help us do that today, Father? Would you help us to stay mindful of that? Thank you so much. Amen.